This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hello and welcome to Save Our Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about carrots. Mm hmm. <laughs> I have mixed emotions about yes. carrots. Annie has said, has said before her story about the tragedy of carrots. <laughs> yes. And how they don't actually help with eyesight. Yes. This is a. I guess an insight into how my mind works because I do give things very grandiose labels that perhaps they don't deserve. But yeah, the tragedy <laughs> of the carrot. <laughs> uh, long story short, if you haven't heard it before, she ate she ate a lot of carrots. Like a bag a day. Trying to get better eyesight. Yes, and my parents, they sponsored this idea. Oh, they man. gave it a stamp of approval. And it was just a big lie. <laughs> I had to get glasses anyway. And I got these octagon-looking things, and it wasn't good. Well, you've gotten LASIK since then. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, I've gotten over it. I have. I've recently returned to carrots. I still have, like, a kind of knee-jerk nausea that can happen oh, wow. when I first eat them. Uh-huh. But I get over it. Like, cooked or raw or both? Just in general. Okay. Like, thinking about a carrot, my stomach is just like, not nah. happy. It's mm. not on board. It, it recalls the memory of sitting in my dark room and just eating carrots <laughs> desperately. <laughs> you don't want to return to that point, do you? You don't. That is a that is a pit of carrot despair. It was. Um, I'm <laughs> glad you're kind of back. Yeah. You crawled your way out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you gotta forgive sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I I, I love a carrot. I oh, love yeah. I love a carrot in a salad. I love mm-hmm. I love just. Carrot sticks dipped in hummus, maybe. Mm. Uh, I like I like a baked carrot roasted. Yeah. So you're you're on board. I'm pro carrot. Pro carrot. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> there is a lot to be said about the carrot. It turns out, and um, thanks right off the bat to the Carrot Museum on this one. Big thanks. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the URL on that one? Just carrotmuseum. Dot. I believe so. It's UK. Co. Dot UK. Yeah. yeah. Um, but very helpful. Yes. Very helpful. Extremely thorough. Yes. And helpful in answering our question. Mm-hmm. Carrots. What are they? Well, a carrot is a root vegetable, which means it's a type of vegetable uh, that a plant grows for itself to provide a source of hydration and nutrition during cold or dry months. They'll put down what's called a taproot and, and bulk it up in preparation for growing flowers and seeds either the following spring or later on that season. But that taproot is a good source of nutrition for us humans, too. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, carrots. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, the resulting taproot is usually an oblong, tapered cylinder uh, around six inches long, maybe the, like 15 centimeters. But they can be more or less bulbous, and uh, they can get real big, like up to two feet, which is about two-thirds of a meter. I have seen, I have witnessed a carrot, like like one and a half to two feet long, like what? like as thick as my arm. Like it was it was a little bit grotesque. That, yeah, I'm immediately a little on edge <laughs> about that. What was going on with this carrot? It could have been used as a bludgeon. Oh, it was dear. It was like billy club sized. Anyway, could you use it like a cane, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Like, like a gnome could like use it as a cane. Sure. Oh. That is so darling, and I am writing that into <laughs> my next D and D character. Perfect. <laughs> oh heck. Oh man, that's gonna go bad quickly. Anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> most varietals of carrots that grow these days are orange, but they can come in white, yellow, red, violet, and like a all the way up to a deep purple sort of black as mm-hmm. well. They tend to be a little bitter and herbal, but mostly sweet and kind of earthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Botanical classification is Dacus carota, um, subspecies sativus, a sativus meaning cultivated. The carrot is a member of the umbellifer family. WTF, you say? I do. <laughs> it's a uh, very large group of flowering plants. Um, uh, parsnip, parsley, celery, coriander, caraway, and hemlock are all related. Is hemlock a suspicious thing? Oh, it's it's poisonous. Well, I mean, oh. some varieties of it. Some varieties of it are poisonous. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beware of anyone who's like, have this hemlock salad, friend. <laughs> yeah, like, like mm. later today, this, is, this fact is going to save my life. That's like <laughs> the story of... How my day is going to play out, I can already tell. Oh, I I either do or do not envy you the rest of your day. (laughs) I'll say proudly and confidently, no thanks, when I get offered hemlock later. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, those uh, those leaves and flowers and seeds are also edible, though. Um, there's, There's lots of recipes out there for using carrot leaves, which are a little herbal and a little bitter and kind of earthy and carroty. Carroty flavor, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Sort of like, sort of like an like an earthier, bitterer parsley. Oh, yeah, interesting. Um, I've not eaten the flowers or seeds, but I hear they're a little floral, and <laughs> as you might assume, and mm. a little like 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 warm, earthy, spicy. Okay, not like spicy hot, but like you know, spicy yeah, spice. Like- Mm-hmm. Sure. We're making gestures. You can't yeah, them. yeah, that's very helpful. <laughs> and uh, the seeds are also processed into oil, uh, which is mostly used in skincare products. Oh. It's supposed to be real good for the skin or according to the websites that were selling it that I don't know. I have been burned before is all I'm saying. <laughs> I would look into your carrot facts. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. But they got some stuff going on when it comes to nutrition. They do. Uh, carrots are low in fat and high in water, fiber, and micronutrients of various kinds. If you're watching your sugar, do be aware that carrots and uh, perhaps especially carrot juice are on the sugarier side of mm-hmm. vegetables. Um, but I mean, you know, they're, they're pretty great for you overall. Yes, 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 yes. But it's true that eating a boatload of carrots will not improve your night vision unless you are deficient in vitamin A. Mm-hmm. And I can speak from experience, but <laughs> if you eat enough, it can turn your skin orange. I saw that on episode of Scrubs, so it's true for sure. Uh, it, it does happen to be true. I can't, uh, I can't tell whether the Scrubs connection is an accurate one, but... Uh, yes. Yeah. Pretty much he just ate a bunch of carrots. <laughs> it was orange. It was making fun of House. That whole episode was making fun of House. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yes. Oh, I miss scrubs. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, orange orange carrots are high in beta carotene, which is a bright red orange pigment that our bodies use to make vitamin A. Um, uh, this compound and other carotenoids were named after carrots. Get it, carrot? Mm-hmm. And vitamin A is indeed necessary for good vision. Um, your, your eyes' photoreceptors need it to, to grow and maintain themselves. It also has roles in uh, skin, bone, immune, and reproductive growth and function. And uh, stores of it may build up in subcutaneous fat, which is part of why your skin can turn orange if you get too much of it. Ah. Um, it's also why adults' fat tends to be yellow instead of white. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, other colors of carrots have other health benefits as well. Purple ones have antioxidants. Uh, red ones have some of that lycopene that we are always talking about. Mm-hmm. And geneticists suspect that um, that the gene responsible for beta carotene in carrots is the same one that turns uh, leaves yellow and orange and red in the fall after um, the, the leaves like a mask of green chlorophyll has 
cut out for the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these pigments apparently act as like a sort of sunscreen protecting plants from from UV damage. They're always there, but like the, the green of the chlorophyll is just over top of it. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Um, a mutation the geneticists think, might have set this gene to work in the root of some wild carrots, and then farmers might have selected those plants and propagated them. Um, a group of researchers sequenced the carrot's genome in 2016. It is over 32,000 genes long. Wow. Um, which is about average for a plant, but like half again as long as the human genome, which I find fascinating. Yes, mm-hmm. that is fascinating. And it automatically makes me think of Jurassic Park because <laughs> Mr. <laughs> DNA was so memorable. So carrot numbers. Yes. The carrot is in the world's top 10 most important vegetable crops. Worldwide, consumption of carrots has quadrupled in the past 40 years. Oof. In 2011, China was the world's largest carrot producer, accounting for 45%. Ooh. Russia and Uzbekistan follow way behind, but they're second, third. Um, 13.37 million tons a year are produced. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. In 2006, the average American ate 12 pounds of raw carrots per year. As of 2017, it was down to 8.7 pounds. <gasps> oh, mm. on the decline, I see. Yeah. But they are the sixth most consumed vegetable in the United States. I'd be interested to see that list. Yeah, I didn't see it. I just saw that fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. Uh, carrots can be eaten in all kinds of ways. Stewed, roasted, glazed, broiled, in juices, and soups, and salads, and stir-fries, and desserts. Raw, as the nose to your snowwoman or snowman. You can make instruments out of them or use them as instruments. Sure. Uh, the leaves can add a pop of color as a garnish, or you can cook them into any dish of greens or use them in uh, soups or stocks to build flavor. In northern India, a fermented drink of black carrots and or beets spiced with salt, red pepper, and mustard seed is enjoyed, especially around Holi. Uh, it's called kanji, and it's a little bit like a kombucha. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, these days... Baby carrots make up a huge part of the carrot industry. Oh, yeah. Up to 70%. Baby carrots and apple slices are the frequent healthy alternatives for fries. Like, instead of fries, you can get baby carrots for children at fast food chains and Disney World. I kept seeing Disney World, not Disneyland. Disney World. Specifically Disney World. Hmm. So anyone who's been to Disneyland recently, write in and report (laughs) back. Um. A 2007 report found that baby carrots have been on the upswing since the 1990s, which we'll get into it in, a, in our history bit, but that's yeah. pretty much right after they were invented or invented. You could buy them. Um, <laughs> and they are right. one of the most popular items in the produce aisle. More popular than potatoes. Wow. I find that difficult to believe. <laughs> <sighs> Within the $1.3 billion of fresh-cut produce sector, Baby carrot sales account for 50% of that. Oh, my goodness. That is that is a number right there. That's a ridiculous number. <laughs> In 2009, Bolt House launched the Eat em Like Junk Food campaign. The um here being baby carrots. I remember seeing those billboards. I do not, but there you go. There you go. Uh, in the U.S. alone, 172 million tons of carrots are processed into baby carrots, and sales come out to be about $400 million a year. Wow. Yeah. Nobody puts baby carrot in a corner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like I should have seen it coming. <laughs> I didn't know it was coming either, but, you know, just got to let the, the terrible jokes go. And that is about the state of carrots. Yes, um, and it brings us to our history section, but first it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. 
a new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. There's a lot of history when it comes to carrots. There is. They've been around for a long, long time. Yes, they have. (laughs) Archaeologists have found prehistoric carrot seeds that suggest the seed of the wild carrot originating in Europe and southwestern Asia was used medicinally or as a spice. And some of these seeds are 5,000 years old. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Ancient Greeks and Romans had carrots. Um, These weren't the kind we're familiar with, but a wild variety um, that came in a bunch of different colors. Typically white, though, and typically kind of forked. Yeah, and these are bitter with a with a pleasant, like, spice pine earth sort of flavor, but, yeah, mostly bitter. Um, though at the time, these wild carrots were probably mostly grown and used for their leaves and their seeds. Um, they have these these lovely sprays of tiny white flowers that look sort of like, like fireworks going off mm-hmm. or like lace. They would eventually come to be known as Queen Anne's Lace in North America, but that would take, you know, a few thousand years. Give or take. Mm-hmm. Pliny and Dioscorides claimed that these wild carrots were... Aphrodisiacs, if you're playing bingo, there you go. (laughs) And also, they were good for venomous bites. Oh. Or probably they were referring to carrots. They could have also been referring to parsnips. Oh. Yes. Hmm. History's mysteries. There's a lot of confusion around those two. Um, They might have been used interchangeably for a while. Hmm. Pliny wrote of the carrot, or maybe the parsnip, (laughs) that the second emperor of Rome, Tiberius Claudius Nero, adored carrot root so much that he ordered that a shipment be brought to him every year. Historians are pretty sure the carrot is what Dephilus of Syphnos was referring to in 3rd century BCE when discussing it as a diuretic. And sometime around 100 BCE, Mithridates, the sixth king of Pontius, had a recipe for preventing poison. Oh. That included carrot seeds. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some evidence suggests that ancient Egyptians ate carrots, or at least were familiar with them, but there's nothing definitive. Um, And the garden carrot first showed up in Roman writings in 200 CE. When Rome fell and ushered in the Dark Ages in Europe, the carrot had to be reintroduced to that continent. That's what the lack of carrots in the records that we do have are really don't have from that time suggests. Uh Um, King Charlemagne did include them in his 795 CE list of plants he suggested for cultivation for Western and Central Europe. Okay. The carrots we eat today are a domesticated version of the wild carrots. Historians think it was domesticated in Central Asia around 900 to 1000 CE. And at the time, the carrot was probably more likely to be purple or yellow. Mm -hmm. 
there are two distinct cultivated carrot groups uh, that kind of muck up history here and very much confused me. But one is the Eastern Asiatic carrot, which is often purple but sometimes yellow, and the Western or carotene carrot, which is yellow, white, red, or orange. And both of these types came out of the same domestication of these wild, mostly white carrots um, in, in, yeah, uh, what's now Afghanistan or thereabouts. The farmers there developed separate branches or so we assume, of yellow to purples and, like, yellow to reds, and both spread from there. Yeah. Boop. Two carrot pass. Mm -hmm. One legend from around this time tells the story of a white carrot becoming the red carrot alongside the persecutions of the first Christians. Oh. Yeah. The story goes that in the town of Gaul, a pagan stabbed a Christian woman named Marie, and her blood stained the white carrots that she had been peeling. Wow. I love, I love the number of, of, of tales that involve like, oh, this fruit is red because yes, blood got on it you're once. Right. It's great. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty metal. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks to traders and the Silk Road and possibly Kublai Khan, the domesticated carrot made it to Europe in the 11th to 14th century, um, to India, China, and Japan sometime in the 14th to 17th centuries. The fact that it was purple piqued people's interest and got people curious if there were more color options out there for them. Northwestern Europe and China were cultivating carrots by the 13th century CE, and European colonists accidentally brought carrots with them when they arrived to the Americas, where they grew as weeds. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From some things I read, the orange carrot first started appearing in Germany and Spain in the 15th and 16th century. Uh, Yeah, and and geneticists think that this developed out of further tooling with the yellow carrots from the Middle East around that time. The yellow carrot and the purple carrot existed at the same time, but people, or European people at least, preferred the taste and cooking properties of the yellow carrot. Or maybe just the color. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) We're not sure. We don't know. We can't put our... Our own interpretations onto these people of the past. Mm -hmm. Spanish paintings of markets from around this time frequently had carrots in them. That's one of the ways we know that they were around in Spain. A A lot of paintings help us figure this out. Yes, they did. The first recorded use of the English word carrot took place in 1530, and it derived from the Middle French word carotte, which derived from the Latin carota, from a Greek word in there, maybe, <laughs> and then an Indo-European word meaning horn. Since old-timey carrots were white, for a long time, Old English did not differentiate between them and parsnips. It's the confusion. To this day, a lot of languages still use the same word for carrot as they do for root. Root in general, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Queen Elizabeth I loved carrots. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. One story goes that a deputy to the English court presented her a wreath of diamond-encrusted carrots. Wow. And a tub of butter. (laughs) And she calmly (laughs) went to removing the diamonds, sent the carrots and butter back to the kitchen, and the cooks returned to the dish as buttered carrots. Wow. Put diamonds in my food? (laughs) I'm going to break a tooth on that. <laughs> That's right. Come on now. This is the 1500s. I don't have spare teeth. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. In the 16th century, carrots arrived in the Netherlands. And there is a lot of myth or hype uh, around this part of the story. Uh-huh. Um, but here goes. Okay. So people liked this yellow carrot more in Europe. And when the carrot arrived to the Netherlands, scientists there started experimenting with this yellow carrot, breeding together darker yellow with darker yellow until they got the long, sweet orange version we're more familiar with. The Dutch long orange first showed up in written records in 1721. And I know what you're thinking, a handful of you. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, I thought the Dutch bred them for William the Orange. You know... The dude, the dude who led the 16th century rebellion against the Spanish Habsburg monarchy ruling over a big chunk of northwestern Europe. You know. William the Orange. Of course. Well, there's no real proof to that. No? No. It's fun. It is fun. Um, Whatever the case, the carrot did become associated with House Orange. And at this time, a large conspicuous, one might say, display of carrots could be viewed and was sometimes intended as a provocation, a declaration of support for one of William the Orange's 
exiled descendants. Wow. I love the idea of a conspicuous display of I carrots. Know. How many carrots is that? Yeah. And you're like wearing them as earrings, <laughs> like a carrot necklace. A wreath like, of carrots as a crown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the guards are thinking, Gonna. something might be going on over there. That's a pretty <laughs> conspicuous display of carrots. <laughs> Your boutonniere. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <sighs> Another story goes... Uh, that breeders were trying to hop on the sweet oranges popularity train because at the time carrots were mostly fed to livestock. So they were like, this orange thing is popular. We could get this color and maybe people will. But people will associate it with it and order eat it more. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, in the 19th century, French horticulturist Louis de Vilmorin and his knowledge of plant breeding brought us more varieties of carrots like the Nantes. Um, that one's the most popular, I think. Oh, yeah? Worldwide, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Especially in the West. Mm. Mm-hmm. Jefferson. Jefferson? He grew carrots. Of course he did. Of course he did. And a very brief, but important aside, for carrot cake. Yes! Carrot oh. cake! Oh, is this going to be a whole episode someday? I would love to because <laughs> I believe um, <laughs> there's a quote out there from somebody who's written a book about cakes, and um, she called it the most elusive Histor- like, historically. Oh, wow. The carrot cake. Oh, goodness. So yes. this is going to be, like, hard research. Yes. Oh, I, I know. love it. Okay. I, I know. Well, the one that finally breaks this <laughs> carrot cake. <laughs> um, okay. So from what I could glean, uh, carrot puddings go back to medieval Europe, and it could have just, the carrot cake could have just naturally evolved from there. Sure. Or, and I like this version better, Carrot cake resulted shortly after World War One from a misread recipe for currant cake. Oh, great. Yes, I love it. Oh, the cook must have been very confused. <laughs> I love it so much. I hope that's true. Carrots? Okay. <laughs> um, and everybody just misinterpreted this recipe. I don't know. Pillsbury held a nationwide recipe contest in 1929. For their carrot cake recipe, and it appeared in that year's The 20th Century Bride's Cookbook. And <laughs> I did find a whole article from Slate tracing the history of the sugared carrots uh-huh. on top of carrot cakes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because they were comparing how, like, if you get a strawberry cake, you'll have, like, strawberries on Maybe, top. like, glazed strawberries even. Sure, yeah. But you won't have, like, a carrot on top of a carrot cake. You'll have a sugared yeah. Candy yeah. thing. Like, right, right. Like like marzipan or some or frosting, something like that. Yeah. In the shape of a carrot. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole article out there if you want to know the history of that. It's I mean, pretty much it's in the nineteen fifties when women were trying to show off their skillet decorating mm-hmm. and it just stuck. But Wow. I enjoyed it. That is, that is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like yeah, like that's really one of the only things that we put the shape of one of the ingredients. Exactly. <laughs> like we don't I mean, rarely do you get, like, a pumpkin pie and you put, like, a little dough pumpkin, like, like pie right. crust pumpkin on top of it. Like, you're like, no, that's a pumpkin pie. It's clear. Right. Huh. But carrot cake. Yeah. You got to have the carrots on there. I want to I I extrapolate this out to other types of desserts. And we should. <laughs> anyway. And we will. <laughs> but on the opposite side of carrots, um, by the early 20th century, carrots were viewed as a health food. Ah, yes, yes. Um, during World War One, they were marketed as something you could eat that wasn't rationed. Mm, mm-hmm. And the UK's Ministry of Food pushed carrots as a health food as well as a substitute for scarcer foods with a cartoon carrot named Dr. Carrot. <laughs> um, <laughs> very to the point. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, it's clear. Oh, I like yes. it. yes. Um, and they they had all kinds of recipes that you'd find in, like, um, supermarkets. It kind of reminded me um, of the Trader Joe's flyers you get now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that those are, in fact, patterned after that very thing. Yes, yes. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were recipes for carrot jams, carrot puddings, carrot fudge, toffee carrots, and the image of toffee carrots. It haunts my dreams. <laughs> haunts my <laughs> dreams. So look it up at your own risk. Oh, goodness. Uh, a carrot drink called Carolade. <laughs> Also, also, Dr. Carrot had glasses. Okay, well, he was a doctor. He clearly had poor eyesight. That's how we tell. He wasn't eating enough carrots oh. for their own propaganda. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and also, was, was, also, was he a carrot himself? He was a carrot. Oh, okay. He's a walking carrot well, see, who eats carrots 
and tells you to eat more carrots. This this messaging is very confusing. It is. And you know who got in on it? Disney. <laughs> <laughs> because Dr. Carrot was not the only cartoon carrot in town. Oh. Um, one of the cartoonists at Disney designed a whole carrot family oh, at the no. request of the UK Ministry of Food. Oh, wow. Um, there was Carroty George, <laughs> Dr. Carrot, and Clara Carrot. And yes, this means there was two different Dr. Carrots. Both of them in the medical field. Yes. And okay. that, that cannot be... We cannot let this stand. So this Dr. Carrot, the Disney one, was rebranded as Pup Carrot. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Carroty George's sayings were, I'll tell you what to do with me. I think it was probably meant in a much more um, happy tone. I imagine so. <laughs> but I like the threatening tone better. <laughs> um, also, their shoes are carrots. Wow. I could go on and on about this carrot This family. is okay. I... I'm going to look up video of this later. You should. It's excellent. Oh, heck. It is excellent. And now we arrive at the source of my beef with carrots that eating a large enough amount of them will help you see in the dark or improve your night vision sure. more accurately. But I remember thinking, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. This apparently <laughs> originated during World War II when British gunners shot down German planes at night. And to cover up the fact that the British were using radar technologies to accomplish this, radar technologies they wanted to keep under oh, wraps that they had. It, it was new and fancy and shiny. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Officials spread a story that it was carrots. <laughs> the high level of carrots the pilots ate is why they were able to see at night and shoot down German guns. It was a whole propaganda thing. Yeah. Yep. And it worked because mm-hmm. my parents, they told this to me and I believed them. <laughs> I believed them. <sighs> um, <laughs> carrots keep you healthy and help you see in the blackout, the slogan went. And as I was writing this, I realized that a listener yeah. sent us a postcard that said that very thing, and it's on my desk. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another claim declared that a shortage of batteries would be no problem, because as long as folks ate their carrots, they would develop cat's eyes. Untrue, but helpful. <laughs> Another claim went, night sight can mean life or death. Uh, this was a very serious business. It's yes, pro- propaganda posters in World <laughs> War II were extremely serious about everything they were doing. They were. Uh, that is some of my very favorite uh, Google search rabbit holes to yes. to go on. I yes. oh, I'm a big fan. There are all kinds of things that you just wouldn't expect, or I wouldn't expect. I'm not going to put that on anyone else. But <laughs> carrots, huh? Anyway, now we come to another aside: the baby carrot aside. Huh, and this was was this the type of Carrots that you were that you were eating yes. when you were eating so many carrots. Okay. Yes. I suspected. I wanted to check. Yes, it sure. was. Um, the idea of you like bugs bunnying through like like whole carrots <laughs> is also funny. <laughs> Occasionally, I would do that because I had it in my mind through no real. Nobody told me this, but I thought those were better for you. Were healthier hmm. as opposed to baby carrots. And there is some health. Uh, misinformation around baby carrots that we'll touch on briefly, but that's not why. I just had some weird thing in my head. I think it's because they had like a skin. Sure. Yeah. 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 They might have a different vitamin or mineral or something in the skin. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. In 1986, or maybe 89, number the year differs depending on what you're looking at, a company by the name of Bunny Love started selling the first baby carrots. And the story goes that this idea is courtesy of a farmer named Mike Urasek, who thought that he could reduce the chance of customers passing over unattractive carrots by shaving them down into uniform bullet-like shapes. And yes, they did get into some trouble with Warner Brothers <laughs> over their logo of Bunny eating a carrot. Oh, because there's only one bunny who's allowed to eat carrots in this town. Exactly. There's oh. one Dr. Carrot and one bunny that can eat carrots. Actually, there's two. Well, yeah, I, I guess I guess Babs and Buster also eat carrots, but they're but they're also a property of Warner Brothers, so it all kind of works out. Is that from uh, who's Winnie the Pooh? Well, please explain to me. He comes from Pooh Corner. <laughs> um, Very good non sequitur for any conversation. <laughs> Tell me who Winnie the Pooh is. No, who's the rabbit in Winnie the Pooh? Oh, he's called Rabbit. That, that's easily gotten to the bottom of. <laughs> Thank you, Super Producer Andrew, for solving that for me very quickly. Anyway, that eats a lot of rabbits. He eats a lot of rabbits? Oh, God. <laughs> he might. He's He's got a weird personality. He's shifty. 
I've always said that rabbit, shifty. Well, this has gone off the rails. This has. Um, anyway. <laughs> okay, back to Warner Brothers and that rabbit. Um, so <laughs> Mike Yurisek of Bunny Love asked his wife to design 50 different rabbits. Oh, wow. For WB to approve, thinking, well, surely one of them. Will be okay. Yes. Yeah. And they did. They did approve one of them. So. So. Um, and just a quick note, baby carrots are not like baby carrots. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're not carrots that are just young. No. no. They're shaved down. Yes, they're 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 processed. Yes. Yes. Um and I once had to make a fire drill green screen video which green screen is already bad, but a fire drill green screen which means do it today right now. Yeah, yeah, drop um, liter- literally everything else you're doing and make this happen. Yeah. Yes, and I was not uh familiar with green screen at the time. It's a very another emotional memory in my carrot oh, database. Oh, no. But um, past coworker Caroline Irvin um, was doing it about like five top five health myths okay, or something. Sure. And one of them was that baby carrots caused cancer because um, the chlorine, they're soaked in chlorine. Oh, okay. Um, it is a myth as the title suggests. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. That's great. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of science out there if you want to read more about it because it, it did cause kind of a a big stir uh-huh. when that came out. But, um, um, yeah. Yeah. A friend a friend has tried to convince me that baby carrots are made the way particle board is out of, like, shavings of carrots that are pressed oh. together. Oh. That's not how they're made. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's not how they're made. Yeah, no. No. I think he's just wrong. I don't, I don't think— <laughs> I like that. I think you're just wrong. I, I, I don't think it's, like, a pervasive myth. I, I think that's just something that he had in his head. Mm. And I was like, no, that's a—no. So he genuinely believed it. I'm, you know— I've got some weird friends. Oh, well. Whether whether or not whether or not he <laughs> believed it is not for me, not for me to say. <laughs> Understood. Understood. <laughs> well, that about brings us to the end of our history of carrots. Uh-huh. We do have a little bit of science for you, but we first, do. we've got another quick break for a word from our sponsor. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, Spencer. Yes, thank you. And at the top of the science section, uh, apropos to basically nothing, I just want to give a shout out to one Philip Simon, who is a research geneticist whose name popped up again and again and again in like everything that I read about carrot science. Just he was just he's just like the father <laughs> of modern <laughs> carrot sciencery, and I just want to say you're doing a good job, man. Yeah, yeah. Props to you. Hope that you have a really cool business card, some Yo. kind of title, some yeah. carrot title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a couple a couple brief notes before we get to our most important carrot science concept. Um, car- uh, carrots and peeling. Okay. Yes. yes. Uh, carrots only need to be peeled. Um, it's not like it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they only need to be peeled if, like, the skin is bitter and you don't want that in right. your food. Um, so, yeah, just, like, taste a piece before putting yourself to the trouble of peeling carrots. I don't know if y'all hate peeling things as much as I do. Oh, I do. It's the worst. I always skin myself. Yes. There is pain and suffering. Yes. Yes. It's a risky endeavor. Uh, carrots harvested in the fall and winter are more likely to have a, a bitter skin built up, mm-hmm. but the season when you are buying the carrots doesn't necessarily tell you whether it was fall or winter versus right. summer or spring in the place where they were grown, mm-hmm. unless you read the label. So, yeah, you know, check that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, uh, because carrots' sugars are, are concentrated on the insides of their cells, uh, shredding carrots will indeed release more of their sweetness for your, for your palate to enjoy. So if you really want to add like a like a burst of sweetness to a salad or something, don't just like dice a carrot or cut it into coins. Like do, like do a good shave on it. Mm. Yeah, or maybe grate it, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. This brings us to a very important question. It does. It's been looming over this entire episode. <laughs> it has. It's come up, in fact. It has. Do rabbits really like carrots? Well, well I mean, you know, they're... <laughs> The rabbits. I mean, they'll they'll pretty much eat what you what you give them. Yeah. Apparently, from my brief search, uh, rabbits will eat carrots, but veterinarians caution about feeding them too many carrots because of their levels of sugars and starches. Yeah, it's like a like a little rabbit candy bar is right. how I've heard it put Aww. or seen it put. <laughs> Again, this was not around the water cooler. <laughs> it could be though. It could be. Um, and this got me to thinking: is it is it just a Looney Tunes thing? Okay, I went on a really deep dive here, mm-hmm. um, and according to internet lore, um, bugs, bunnies, like like nonchalance and carrot habit, were at least partially a nod to this really popular Clark Gable film from 1934 called "It Happened One Night." In it, there is a scene where Gable is just eating carrots like nothing coming, <laughs> and and he's performing this really spitfire dialogue with his mouth full. And, and his manner's so relaxed. He's just, like, chilling out against a fence, eating these carrots, like, like shooting off these, these real, like, spitfire lines. And, uh, and, and, and apparently it was a, a big cultural reference that humans would have gotten from oh. around the day. <laughs> and supposedly uh, creator Frizz Freeling uh, confirmed this in an unpublished memoir, but I cannot find any solid confirmation of that. Mm-hmm. In an unpublished memoir, to me, sounds like internet speak for I just made this up. Right. But it's reported in many places, and it all goes back, I think, to an IMDb note that is uncredited. So Hmm. anyway, um, Bugs may have also been inspired by Groucho Marx and his trademark cigar. Yeah. Which is the image that I've always kind of assumed it was. But this Clark Gable thing is really interesting. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's wacky. (laughs) Um, And uh, from everything I can tell... Yes, this is just a Looney Tunes thing. Really? Yeah. Like, it's just Bugs Bunny. Um, like, I don't think that the whole thing where, like, you leave you leave something for the Easter Bunny. Mm-hmm. Like, when you, like, you, you, you leave carrots for the Easter Bunny right. so that he gives you, like, a good Easter basket. I think it didn't happen until after Bugs Bunny propagated. Wow. 
Yeah. And then, I mean, if you buy a bunny, like a stuffed animal bunny, they usually have a carrot. They are frequently carrot-associated, yes. It's a whole thing. I, in, if, if anyone, I couldn't find anything to refute this concept, so I kind of just, like Looney Tunes was so popular and so big that I just assumed, like, well, this has to be it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah. But if there's, if there's another answer out there, y'all write in, let me know. Yes. Please. Yes. <sighs> just think, if Groucho Marx hadn't had that cigar that he was always doing stuff with. Where would we be? Bunnies wouldn't have carrots <laughs> at Chaos. all. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> I can't imagine a world like that. Oh. Well, that's about that's about what I have for carrot science. <laughs> I like that the Looney Tunes bit was in the science. <laughs> the science of creating a cultural phenomenon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bugs Bunny 101. <laughs> uh, well, that about brings us to this episode. To the end of this episode. To this episode. Yes. Just, just to this episode, period. That's what it does, yeah. Yes. I, uh, I like my random sentences today. <laughs> but it brings us to listener mail. I don't know how to do a Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I was like, what does he sound like? I don't know, not that, not that. Um, that was some kind of approximation of something. We 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 did we did something. We did like a cigar motion. Yeah, <laughs> it was a cigar motion for sure. Anyway, oh boy. <laughs> Ron wrote. Um, so I have two short ones to start off with. Ron wrote, "I was listening to the chocolate chip cookie episode and enjoying it tremendously while using Waze to try to avoid traffic jams. The Waze voice I was using was Cookie Monster. <laughs> it was a bit surreal to be listening to the podcast while having Cookie Monster pop up every now and then, telling me things like there is an accident up ahead, C is for careful, and also Cookie and police up ahead. Do you see them? Do they want a cookie?" <laughs> I did not know you could get Cookie Monster. <laughs> that is so delightful. <laughs> it is. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Laura wrote, I am listening to the complimentary bar snacks episode and want to share a unique take on what I've seen. I grew up in Rochester, New York, and a bar called Lux offers a tray of peanut butter sandwiches on Tuesday nights. <laughs> so tasty yet a little random. Wanted to share, and thanks for all episodes, and that's it for me. I'm going to Rochester, New York. Yeah. Bye. Oh, that sounds like a, that's such an amazing bar snack. I feel like this is the second one we've read from Rochester, New York. <sighs> I think the bacon might have been there, too. Oh, yeah, maybe. So maybe. they got a whole thing going. Yeah. Rochester, we're, lo- we're, we're looking at you. We see you. Mm-hmm. See mm-hmm. eye to eye. <laughs> yes. We like what you're doing. Peanut butter and bacon. We, <laughs> we like the cut of your jib. We do. Um, Tori wrote, I could not allow a watermelon episode to pass and not email you two. My grandfather was a watermelon farmer in Florida. I've attached a baby photo of my cousin and I with grandpa and some of his melons. I'm the pudgy baby sitting on the melon. Indeed she was. I grew up eating watermelon all the time and loved my grandmother's pickled rinds as well. I love watermelon so much. Unfortunately, I have somehow managed to marry a man who doesn't like watermelon. Note, I was not aware of this fact before we got serious, or I may have reconsidered. (laughs) He refuses to eat it, so when I buy a melon, I have to eat the whole thing myself before it spoils, which is quite the feat. I end up putting it in everything, my smoothies, my salads. I try to give some to neighbors and coworkers. It becomes a struggle, so I only buy it on occasion, unfortunately. One thing I didn't hear on your podcast is the absolute best way to eat watermelon, according to my grandpa. You have to put a few dashes of salt on any watermelon to make it the most delicious. It just seems to make it taste that much sweeter. One last thing I'd like to tell you about is an issue I sometimes have when choosing watermelon. I was always taught to choose the melon with the largest, deepest yellow ripening spot, and it should sound hollow when you thump it. I've had two separate incidents at a grocery store where some man has tried to mansplain to me how to choose a melon. Big mistake. In one case, he was completely wrong. And in the second case, he said that all the thumping I was doing on the melons was, quote, pointless and didn't actually help choose a melon. In both cases, I'm very quick to point out that my grandfather was a watermelon farmer, so I'd been around melons my whole life. And I certainly know how to choose a dang melon. In both cases, that clearly was not the response they expected. I enjoy walking away, leaving them dumbfounded with my perfectly chosen melon. That's beautiful. (laughs) Power to you, girl. Yes. (laughs) How dare you come up and tell me how to choose a melon? (laughs) 
Oh. The nerve of some people. Right? Right? Right. Man, I will keep that in mind next time I buy a watermelon. Yeah. Which will probably be pretty soon. Oh, man. Off. Sorry, Lauren. Oh, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm glad that other people get to enjoy them. They are delightful. They are. They are. They are. And I love the salt <laughs> thing. I used to do that when I was a kid, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my, my, my grandpa would uh, salt uh, watermelons and tomatoes. Yes. Oh. Or actually, he would sugar tomatoes and salt watermelon. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. hmm. Experiments for later. Mm-hmm. But right now, thanks to all three of them for writing in. Yeah. And if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SaverPod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel. Dot com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Apple Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.